Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before we get started, I wanted to thank Credible.com for sponsoring today's show. Credible.com is an online marketplace for student loan refinancing. Using Credible.com's simple platform, it takes less than two minutes to find out if you're overpaying on your student loan. You could save thousands by refinancing. In fact, the average user who refinances through Credible.com saves almost $19,000 over the life of their loan. All you have to do is visit Credible.com slash Capspace. Easy to remember, we talk about Capspace all the time in the program. Answer a few questions and right away, you'll get real rates, not rain Ranges of rates for multiple lenders. Checking your rates will not affect your credit score, so you really have nothing to lose. My listeners will get a $200 welcome bonus when refinancing through that Credible.com slash Capspace link. That's Credible.com slash Capspace. Let them know that you came from us. Thursday night edition of the pod, end of the week. Actually, we haven't done a public mailbag for a long time. Those are always really fun. We've got some awesome questions from our Patreon subscribers, Patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. And if you are a subscriber, don't worry, there will still be a whole other podcast podcast as well coming over the weekend that is subscriber only but thought we would uh take advantage of the great forum that we have with the patreon and get some really good questions first though we got to get to some news here and danny uh would you like to take us through the latest in the coisis <laughs> yeah i i i mean when when a story happens like this you kind of have to i'm gonna breach my policy for the day and i think actually it's it's instructive in terms of how that all works because there have been conflicting reports. So I, I, I think it's best to start with the parts that aren't conflicting, which is that the San Antonio Spurs had a players meeting and a large portion of what was discussed was Kawhi Leonard's availability for the rest of the year. What has been differentially reported here, and I think of this like a game of telephone where, where you start out with two different things, because I, I think it's entirely possible that both different reporting things are true. One is that it was, you know, some of the players wanted Kawhi to come back and then the the kind of the counter reporting after that starting with Jabari Young's the first person I saw basically saying that teammates were just more checking in on him than anything else but he was surprised so but why I think it's interesting is because this all stems out of communication and uncertainty that everybody involved it sounds like doesn't really know exactly what's going on and that leads to confusion that leads to frustration and so they needed to talk about it yeah and interesting that again from the Spurs board uh, maybe someone has kidnapped a, a spur the way that the federation did with captain picard taking him back from the board so they can hack into the spurs board collectiveness but we've seen so many more leaks out of the spurs this year probably than we've had combined in the last 20 years which uh, must be frustrating for them but hey welcome to life in the nba right that mark stein wrote a whole column about that i think it's, it's an interesting one and there are probably it wouldn't shock me many arrival coach and executive who is kind of like see you see what it's like now greg 
it you see uh and the spurs have done an admirable job of kind of controlling the message there uh, over the years and bringing in players who of course uh, can be in tune with that message although eh, they've had their fair share of personal dramas uh, at times which you don't need need to get into so it's not it's not all been roses there but i think the bigger point of this to me is the report from mike wright a couple days before that they're expected to offer Kawhi the designated veteran extension and while this all this matters for this year for sure if he's going to come back or not and i certainly understand everyone's frustration we can address that a little bit if they're going to offer him that contract coming off an entire missed season very difficult for me to imagine that he's not going to take it so i think if that's really true that they offer him that now maybe he might want out after another year you know but then they would have he'd be under contract for five more years and they would be able to trade him for a lot more uh assuming that he plays well if they're going to offer him that i it would be shocking to me if he doesn't take it because it, it's so much earlier and so much more money than anyone else can offer almost 70 million dollars more than anyone else can offer and a year earlier than anyone else can offer it. to this point and we're in a new cba so it's only been one year four players have been eligible for this four players have been offered designated veteran contracts and four players have signed designated veteran contracts leonard could have been an exception if he were 100 percent healthy the weird stuff with the quad tendon certainly changes that and as you said it you know it all of this becomes rearview mirror stuff if he signs that contract because he cannot be traded for a year also like that full 12 month period john all four of those guys are actually still in that now because it hasn't been a year and after that yeah sure maybe but that is it, it is complicated well, one and more thing on that too right Antone- he's eligible right now we know for sure he's going to be eligible this summer because he had made all nba the prior two years before this one so it didn't matter that he didn't make it this year mm-hmm. he's taking the risk that he's not going to make it next year you know what i mean and, and even if he come, you know let's right. say for example he misses 25 games comes back plays at the same level we've always expected but doesn't make an all nba team because he missed those 25 games now he's not eligible anymore even if he goes into free agency afterwards and so i mean that's another reason why you just you gotta take it if you're him and that really does get offered now it's worth noting of course that not necessarily they don't necessarily have to offer him the absolute max 200 million dollars they probably would but they could provide some non-guarantees there they could put in the fact that it's not all the way up to 35 percent of the salary cap uh doesn't have to be 35 percent it could not necessarily have the maximum raises you know there's a there's things that they could do to reduce that offer maybe try and protect them a little bit there still could be a negotiation involved so it's that doesn't mean necessarily that he's getting offered 200 million dollars fully guaranteed uh so there could be some wiggle room there but i mean i think even even if they were to offer him you know something like 30 percent of the starting at 30 percent of the salary cap like the blake griffin contract i mean at this point after having missed an entire year i don't know how you don't take that yeah i would agree with that and san antonio would theoretically let's say he were eligible for it after so that would mean presumably making an all-nba team next year Kawhi could get offered a five-year contract basically the the parallel would be what steph curry did this year because his contract expired whereas harden john wall and russell westbrook were already under contract but that is a risk for kind of for all sides because san antonio he has to be eligible for it and then otherwise the only benefit they get paralleling the jazz with gordon hayward would be slightly higher raises and that fifth year and the fifth year could matter to Kawhi. we don't exactly know especially with the tendinopathy thing so there is a risk in offering this for sure unless they feel good about where he's going to be but there is a serious serious risk for san antonio as well and not offering one last point here it's interesting to see the reporting on this again follow the pattern that we so often see and i'm not saying who's right and who has it right and who has it wrong here between woad 
road and the local sources like uh, Jabari Young and Mike Finger. But generally, the way seems thing, things seem to work is national reporter gets story that is relatively unflattering, and then team side gets leaked to local reporters who push back on that. That's usually what, would you agree? That's kind of what the pattern usually seems to be. Yep, sounds about right to me. All right, lots more news to get here. Got the mailbag as well, but first, this from Simple Contacts. I am lucky enough that I have not needed contacts. It's always seemed like an absolutely miserable process, though, and my fiance has always needed them. And I asked her, hey, you know, would you have use for this service? And she was like, yeah, you know what? I, I need a new prescription. Uh, I can't use it until I go into the doctor. That's going to take me forever. I don't know if I can do it. And I told her, au contraire, you can renew your contact lens prescription from your couch in under five minutes using Simple Contacts. They'll give you an online self-guided vision test. And then, of course, you can reorder your brand of lenses after that. But the biggest thing to me is just not even to go in to get that prescription. That is just awesome. Every test is designed and reviewed by doctors. So they're bringing the doctor's office to your home to renew your contact lens prescription. It's really just going to save you a, a ton of time. And it's only 20 bucks for that vision test. Shipping is free. Worth noting, of course, this isn't a replacement for a periodic full eye health exam. But in terms of just getting your contact lens prescription, you can do it from your couch. The way to get started with them is at simplecontacts.com slash capspace, or you can enter the capspace code. They got a lot of options here. I love the optionality here. Simplecontacts.com slash capspace. And either that link or the capspace code will get you $30 off your first Simple Contacts order. Again, that's simplecontacts.com slash capspace, or just enter that capspace code at checkout. That'll get you $30 off your contacts. And remember that vision test is only 20 bucks and you're just sitting at home to do it in five minutes. Simplecontacts.com slash capspace, or use that capspace code. Probably the next place to go here is with Kyrie Irving. He will not travel with the team, at least initially, on their four-game trip. A, a report from Tony Maserati, who is a, a Boston radio host. I'm not really particularly familiar with his work, but uh, his statement was that his, his understanding is that Kyrie Irving has screws in his knees that are causing the knee to flare up, and if he gets those screws taken out, that could be the end of his season. Or he could try to play through it, but it would seem like it's not something necessarily that is going to go away until this assuming that uh, Maserati's reporting is correct assuming that he doesn't get these screws taken out and then it seems like he's gonna have a knee surgery and the season's gonna be over so certainly very troubling news for what had been such a promising Celtics even even after uh, Gordon Hayward went down for the year hopefully this will be even close to the low point for Boston of these Kyrie Hayward seasons and if it is that's phenomenal for them and I wonder if where this was and, and I still think back to the Danny Ainge comments from a few weeks ago about kind of the way they were handling this and I don't know I I, I think we just kind of it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable and if it's the screws to be pushing it for for this year they're already saddled with the Marcus Smart injury it's it, it just it doesn't seem like it's worth it necessarily for for the long term of course getting the young guys more playoff experience is a is a positive long term we saw that even with Oklahoma City and numerous other things but not at the expense of you know making a situation worse with a player that you expect to be a part of your future and while we hope and expect that the relationship is is good with Kyrie there you want every player to do that it's worth remembering he as of right now is going to be an unrestricted free agent a little over a year from now yeah it is and this had me thinking 
right? I mean, we were not high on that trade from Boston's perspective. We felt like they gave up a, a little bit too much. A lot has changed, obviously, uh, that we've been wrong about. Kyrie, until recently, of course, uh, has been better than we expected in a Boston uniform. Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder were so bad that they got traded. But this is a good reminder that there's still a lot up in the air here uh, as well, right? I mean, that pick for Brooklyn could be the number one pick. Cleveland could get a superstar uh, with that pick, uh, or even if it's not number one. Uh, Kyrie Irving, as you mentioned, maybe he leaves as a free agent. Certainly, I'm, I'm certain he came there with the intention of staying. But, you know, as we've seen with Kawhi Leonard, these uh, kind of inscrutable injuries can have an effect on a player's relationship with the organization. I'm not saying that that's true, but it, that's something that could happen. Maybe Kyrie misses the playoffs uh, this year, or he runs into some chronic knee trouble himself and just isn't able to be the same player going forward. Certainly, there was some risk there with some of the, his injury history. Uh, a lot of miles on him for a, a guy who is in his mid-20s. So there's a lot here. And even with the Markel Fultz trade, too, obviously it's looking like a disaster for Philly right now. But we don't know where those picks are going to end up. And maybe Markel comes back and kills it next year. And Jason Tatum just turns out to be a fine player instead of a superstar. And so there's still much to be decided in that leisure. We do the best we can, obviously, with the information that's available at the time. But uh, And certainly that trade looks better for Boston, both of those from last summer, than they did before. But things could turn still. You know, it's not exactly like it's a foregone conclusion that Boston won both of those trades just yet. Another piece of Celtics news, Jalen Brown is targeting Sunday where they host the Sacramento Kings for returning. That would be great. He's missed a bunch of time with a concussion due to that play where he dunked and hung on the rim and then and then hurt himself. Different angle, different thing to Chris Dunn, but actually kind of similar consequences on, you know, a similar action to a point. In Charlotte, Dwight Howard put up only the second 30-30 game I forget when it's since it's from since like you know in the last 20 years I think uh, Kevin Love had one against the Knicks when he was a Timberwolf is the only other one and uh Howard celebrated his awesome game by getting his 16th technical of the season and is now suspended for tonight's game against Memphis which I think I'm actually gonna watch I'm gonna pull a Kevin Pelton and watch Memphis versus Charlotte tonight just for uh just to check in and remind myself just how awful tanking basketball really is watching that instead of Hawks Kings which could be pretty spectacular yeah well. I, I i can't Hawks i can't Kings. justify to my fiance she she's uh she, she's gonna be home <laughs> and I, I can't tell her that i'm gonna watch hawks kings instead of hanging out with her i haven't, I haven't had a chance <laughs> to hang out with her in a while well especially especially that game loses some sizzle because john collins will not play and he was early he was an early rule out for the game against sacramento and collins is one of the best reasons to watch the atlanta hawks at the moment yeah and it seems unlikely that he'll play tomorrow against golden state as well in chicago zach levine we detailed his minor supposedly knee tendonitis but he will miss at least another week uh chris dunn with the, that toe injury that he's in a walking boot for probably consider him out indefinitely at this point no real timetable discussed there but uh larry marketing could at least return friday against the bucks and the bulls are even lower on shot creation now because antonio blakeney uh had an mri on his left wrist and he has a non-displaced fracture and will miss the remainder of the season blakeney on on a two-way but actually uh hit the game-winning free throws uh, against memphis uh, a little bit ago let's talk box two here uh Giannis suffering a right ankle sprain against the clippers yeah and and we've seen you know that was a, a tough loss for them and we've seen milwaukee struggle without Giannis, and he has missed games due to knee tendonitis at other points in the season this is a completely unrelated issue but the bucks now it looks like things are lining up they're already behind the miami heat and everybody else in the eastern conference for who who is probably 
probably going to make the playoffs. So they're at 34 losses as of when we're recording this. Miami's at 33 and has an easier schedule. So the expectation, though it is not destiny, is that the Bucks will get the eight seed and thus play a rematch against the Toronto Raptors in the first yeah, round. But And that seven seed's got to be looking a little juicier now with some of this recent Kyrie news and the Celtics, you know, just in general of not having played as well since early in the season. Uh, I'd much well, rather play. Yeah, I want to make one. Sm- sorry, I want to make one small point. I think some people are penciling in Miami for that spot. I was looking at their schedule. Patreon subscribers have access to the schedule book things I've been doing. We're going through it. And Miami's schedule is actually pretty light the rest of the way, lighter than the other teams. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved up from here. And maybe they don't want yeah. to, you know, in that oh, sense, man. because I, Boston's I really, looking, looking more I really would picking. like to. Can we finally just get a Miami-Cleveland uh, playoff series? Though? That, that would be nice. But um, Yeah, could happen at 3-6 or 4-5, theoretically. Yeah. And Milwaukee, I mean, weird stuff has been happening there recently. Like, they've been starting Jason Terry of late over Tony Snell. I mean, and maybe just because they feel like they need to get more shooting on the floor, like, that, that has helped. But uh, we know that they've really sucked when Giannis has been off the floor this year. I was looking at some of Jabari Parker's numbers today. And when Parker is on the floor without Giannis, they're giving up a 119 defensive rating. That's bad. Uh, and overall, even when Jabari and Giannis are on the floor together, they're negative six net rating. So Jabari has looked pretty damn good. Uh, I, I tweeted out this one incredible move he had last night against the Clippers. He dunked all over Sam Decker as well. But hard to argue that he's really been helping the Bucks much uh when you consider his defensive and rebounding problems and the fact that you know he's a, just another guy who needs to have the ball in his hands to, who isn't going to space out and take three pointers uh, on this team we can go from there to miami the team we were just talking about and it's concerning that hassan whiteside and Dwayne wade have missed i think it's five and six games respectively and they are already out we're recording this on thursday afternoon they're already out for friday's game and that's a good little calibrator to use is how early somebody's ruled out for it maybe being a little bit longer until they come back yeah uh, you know i'm not sure how much white side more than wade i think is valuable for them but kelly olenic does have like a plus 11 net rating in 2018 i think i saw it today so that's uh and then they got bam out of bio as well i mean this it's at least a good thing about miami is they have so much depth that they can get by and, and i'm not sure how much wade really was helping them anyway um uh, in phoenix uh, alan williams played for the northern arizona suns on wednesday he has now been recalled to the big club won't play in the next couple of games but uh since it's unlikely that tyson chandler is going to return this season due to neck shoulder and tank issues per ryan mcdonough uh, he didn't say tank issues but he said neck and shoulder uh williams could uh get some tick here and uh, that'll be interesting given the way his contract is structured right so he has salaries that are locked in in terms of the valuation for 5.5 million for each of the next two seasons 18 19 19 20 however those are fully not guaranteed 1819 has a july 6th guarantee date and then there is a team option for the last year that also has an early guarantee date so the suns certainly will want to see more they are on the on the cusp now is with alfred payton in terms of whether they're going to be a cap space team this year or not so plenty for williams to prove and plenty for the suns to evaluate at this point though they have plenty of big men on their roster the center position is a little bit in flux derek favors were a little worried about his knee but it looked like that was precautionary rest against the Hawks so they probably could have used him a game that they lost uh he will return uh, Thursday night uh, against the Mavericks Garrett Temple suffered an ankle injury of unknown severity right now uh and he won't play tonight against the Hawks Zach Randolph is also out with a stomach issue so uh yeah sorry not gonna watch that game uh in Orlando John Isaac uh, has a left foot strain that's the opposite foot 
from that right ankle that he struggled with the, for months this season and john simmons has a right wrist contusion so both those guys are, are out at least one game we'll have to monitor that i mean orlando's deep depth at the wing position with a flow west of wundu i mean that's that's really pretty ugly uh what else we got here well one thing i'll mention briefly with orlando is they still have five double tank games the rest of the season that's a lot so the the volatility in terms of where their draft pick is matters and you know john simmons and isaac i thought isaac played good defense and had some nice offense in the early part of their game against toronto those guys could really help and so at a certain point it's sort of good for the tank for those guys to be out unfortunately for the lakers who have no similar incentives brandon ingram is still dealing with some challenges he was trying to ramp up his activity level and then he was experiencing some soreness so he did not practice on wednesday i think that means he's there's still going to be a little while here fortunately channing fry is available for their game on thursday after missing time due to an appendectomy yeah it'd be interesting to see how much he plays he's i think he can actually help them uh, to some degree with the spacing alongside julius randall that would make julius randall really difficult to stop um but I, i'm not sure how much he's going to play memphis they're basically resting marcus all like every other game and it seems like whenever he plays tyreek evans doesn't uh Gasol will be rested tonight uh, against the hornets and Tyreek Evans in theory will be available though we saw him get ruled out against the Nets like very late so interesting to see what happens there actually not really that interesting uh Rose didn't practice on Wednesday Derek Rose in Minnesota um he hurt his ankle in that victory over the Clippers and it's actually too bad for Rose because he's actually had some okay scoring games lately and the plus minus hasn't been too awful uh but you know I mean that's the other issue with Rose is that you know number one is his effectiveness when he's out there but number two is that he often is unavailable unfortunately Fortunately for those who are interested in drama, Chris Paul is probably not going to play against the Detroit Pistons, so he and Blake Griffin will not get a reunion. Those were many will remember the last game. I think it was the last game between those two was completely insane. And Blake Griffin was traded after that point, obviously, because the secret secret tunnels don't exist to Little Caesars in the same way, presumably. But it's also worth watching beyond that part of it because Chris Paul, you know, any injury with him is significant and he has dealt with lower body issues throughout his career yeah groin hamstring knee soreness and those are the three things that have been chronic for him in addition to some multiple broken hands in cleveland kyle corver after the tragic death of his brother kirk uh, could miss several games uh, quite understandably so uh but rodney hood and larry nance are hopeful to be back over the weekend same thing with dennis smith uh, in dallas critical for their tank hopes uh, as well uh, against the hornets uh, on saturday he said is what he's targeting and gary harris critical to the Nuggets dwindling playoff hopes Mike Malone saying that he's not really able to do much running yet uh, the best case scenario apparently is that he could return early next week and uh, also we mentioned uh, that Reggie Jackson could return uh, on the Pistons road trip he in fact did so playing 15 minutes uh, on Tuesday against the Suns uh, not sure if he's going to play tonight but good to see him back at, at least for the Pistons who you know have the incentive to get him back in the fold if he is healthy considering that they don't have their draft pick Ready for a little mailbag? Oh, no, no. We got to do Golden State still. Well, we should, we have to do the Warriors. So their four All-Stars all missed all or some of the game against San Antonio, which they lost. Steph Curry looks like he's going to return on Friday against the Hawks. There were some interesting quotes from Steve Kerr basically talking about how he, he he's not going to do He's not going to get any worse by playing, but that having, a, having some time over the summer will help. I'm sure some Warriors fans will be concerned by that, but that's the way it is. Kem Durant did some on-court 
work, but we haven't really heard a timeline yet on him. Clay Thompson was, I think he just did some left-handed work on, on the court. He's coming back from that fracture. And then Draymond Green is going to miss the Hawks game. He might come back over yeah, the weekend. Green suffering a pelvic contusion that I'm sure Oklahoma City fans will say is, is quite justified. Uh, KD, you know, I think the fact that he's done some on-court work, I wouldn't necessarily expect. He basically said, like, once he gets it warmed up, it's, it feels okay. I wouldn't expect that that necessarily means he's that close because, you know, I think he wants to get it healed to the point where if he gets hit in that area, it's not going to be too much of a problem. You know, I think it's more the idea of taking contact than the movement that's the issue for him uh, ultimately there. Um, all right, now we're ready to do some mailbag. Uh, these came to us from our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Uh, you got uh, plenty of perks there, including uh, getting to be the ones who submit these mailbag questions, both for public consumption and then a whole private mailbag podcast that we do once a month and, and we'll do over the weekend right now. Where do you want to start? We can start with a question. Oh God, I'm going to butcher this last name. Um, from Ricky Sricka. I, I yeah. admittedly uh, butchered S- it. In the spirit of S-C-R-I-C-C-A. Uh, I think Sirica. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. In the spirit of Shea Serrano's book, who are your memory heroes? To clarify, that's players who you grew up thinking were way better than they actually were. And the examples that, that Ricky gave was Shea was Vinny Del Negro, Ramona Shelburne, Nick Van Exel, and Zach Lowe's Antoine Walker. So mine is going to be different because I didn't grow up watching much basketball. But And also the Niners teams I grew up with, because that was in the, the mid-90s, there were some pretty legit teams there so the first guy i thought of was robbie thompson he was the second baseman on the giants i played a little bit of second base and i thought he was awesome but he wasn't a great hitter i i'm sure that he had a couple good years but i'm i idolized him and at, in terms of being a dominant player that i i never thought he was that but i'm sure i inflated it to a degree yeah and baseball is the one ironically because there was really the revolution in baseball from average home runs rbis to more advanced baseball stats really started in the late 90s you know i became aware of that and so the two guys as a cubs fan growing up uh was this guy bob dernier i don't know why i loved him so much uh and then andre dawson who i would like imitate his batting stance part of what, probably why i sucked at baseball i already told you how terrible i was at, at uh, little league baseball i have a i, no, I have you a stat for you it in two okay. years of little league baseball i got one hit and it was a bunt single <laughs> <laughs> nice i actually got i actually got a bunt triple in a preseason game once granted it was probably probably should have been a couple errors i wasn't i wasn't terrible until uh so i my vision started to get worse in fourth grade and before that i wasn't bad and then there was this whole awkward st- awkward time when i got glasses and didn't really you know had to get used to them and everything like that but yeah i, I was better than that but not a whole ton better than that after yeah, that point in fairness i was like a fourth were you, you were you were tall girl uh, I mean, tall-ish, but I was like I was like a fourth and fifth grader playing against a league that was like fourth through seventh grade, and so all the pitchers. Oh, I, I, I did walk a lot. I think I probably had like a four hundred on base percentage, but I I got like one hit. I mean that's that's I like never made contact even. It was pretty pathetic. Uh, so but anyway, so uh, Andre Dawson was one of me. He had the NL MVP in '87, and then you look back and like his on base percentage was like you know two hundredths of a point higher than his batting average <laughs> or whatever it was he never never walked in basketball i mean i was a bulls fan so the guys that i loved you know most 
them were pretty good these guys michael jordan and scotty pippen uh maybe the one i could point to was brad sellers when he was drafted like he just he just like looked pretty cool he was like the seven footer had a nice jumper and then you know it's like oh why don't they play that guy more and then you know he was out of the league after two years a question from eric Saar. nate often often references guys as not nuclear athletes and he mentioned justice winslow and stanley johnson as recent examples so who are who are some current nuclear athletes now all time and does effort count or is it just physical ability i mean i think it has to be manifested to some degree one of the guys that you could and usually when we talk about a nuclear athlete it's like jumping ability finishing at the rim blocking shots not as much lateral mobility and gerald green would probably still have to be in there you know aaron gordon would have to be in there and we're talking about like dunk contest type of level athletes and victor oladipo is probably close from the shooting guard position russell westbrook obviously uh john wall before these recent fate of knee injuries would be in there uh lebron obviously probably i mean maybe he's not quite there anymore but he's probably still there uh i mean just compared to most guys at that position um i don't know who else comes to mind for you well i was thinking levine is an interesting example because he has it as a vertical athlete but not really as a horizontal athlete but we usually think of it in more in terms of the vertical than the horizontal you probably and you can't jump off of one foot but donovan mitchell has probably gotta gotta be pretty close to there uh you would think dennis smith certainly oh yeah i mean that's part of the reason why we were so intrigued with him in the first place well then all time i mean you basically can go through a lot of the like best dunkers and is is a pretty good calibrator for certain elements of it but one guy that i think i want to mention is i mean where where would you put prime derrick rose in some of these conversations yeah rose is certainly there Giannis in the current day would be in there as well deandre jordan at the center position in his prime would be in there blake griffin when he was just starting off uh do you want to keep going with it or we can go on to another Uh, question i think that's about all i would say in today's league at this point to really yeah um you know maybe paul george before the injury it might have been something that we could have talked about too but yeah yeah and i'm I'm sure we forgot some people but it's not it's not an egregious oversight of oh we we didn't like spend hours compiling the list but i thought this was a really interesting question uh, from christopher gaudet what factor is most responsible for the relative scarcity of threes meaning small forwards and surplus of capable options at, at center and i think the biggest reason i thought about this question a little bit is the responsibilities and physical capabilities required of being a small forward in the league bigs can succeed with more movement restrictions with more physical you know like they can rely more on things like wingspan but if you are a small forward ideally you know you could you're six foot six to six foot ten let's say you have to move really really well to be an elite player you have to have a, a solid amount of skill like you have to be able to shoot at least a little bit all these other things and they're just are not that many human beings that fit all of those boxes yeah when you consider the length the jumping ability the speed that you need to have at the three being able to shoot as well i mean just look at for example like that's why team usa is just so impossible to beat right if you compare them to international wings I mean, Giannis is the only one really who can compete with usa wings maybe like nikola batum would be the only other one that, that i can think of right now uh and even in the u.s you know i mean that there's maybe in terms of just like real superstars even and, and we're not even talking about like a lower standard just like a three and d guy who can guard small four as well if, i mean the combination that you need of strength coordination length height jumping ability and then you got to be skilled enough to I and mean, it's just so so difficult and 
you know I mean, to find guys who can be as skilled at six seven to six ten as point guards are you're just not going to find that there's so few of those people to begin with and then to have that level of coordination and skill and and brains as well i mean as a big number one the vast majority of people that size are in the nba you know 6 11 or over or, or you know at least played college basketball and were in the system and then you just don't need to be that skilled to be effective as a big you know i mean like rudy gobert he's got great positioning he plays really hard he's in great shape he, he has these incredible physical tools but I mean, if you compare the skill level of rudy gobert to you know paul george or kevin durant i mean it's just it's not even remotely close and, and you want to say yeah you know it's tough to be a big it's tough to finish there's a lot of bodies in there you know i i get all that but it's really just a, a totally different animal to me than it is those wing guys and so it's just i mean if you just look at guys who come into the league with the physical capability even just from an athletic standpoint that's a pretty limited universe and then when you want to look yeah yeah i was thinking about mk yeah like mkg has the physical tools hasn't you know some of the skill elements he ha- hasn't really developed and he was on the high end in terms of capability even of nba player prospects coming in and so that's how hard it is yeah. you know that the players like that and, and sure it's built on internal improvement as well but it's such a high threshold for those guys and it's also challenging because the there are real stars at that position and one of the ideas that i've been kind of flittering around with a little bit is that and you've talked about this in terms of evaluating shooting sometimes is that maybe there are more kind of like robert covington circumstances with this where we're just going to miss it a little bit early because it's a a lot of variance involved and that just need to make sure that once you identify somebody you never let him go this will be an interesting one we'll give you the question first then make sure you stick around through the read uh don bertans bertans he pronounced it the same way as uh davis bertans can you come up with an eight to nine man rotation of players that haven't made the all-star game in their careers that would for sure be top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency all right this will be an interesting one we'll get to that one right after this from coca-cola and powerade for many people the favorite time of year is ncaa march madness with so many games you never know what's going to happen you could see a 16 beat a one you could see a 10 seed in the final four you got to be ready for whatever the next round is going to bring and you better make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime so swing by walmart before every round stock up on coca-cola coke zero sugar and powerade powerade zero being my personal favorite coca-cola is the official fan refreshment of the ncaa be ready to watch all the games by picking up coca-cola and powerade all turning long ncaa march madness isn't just one game it's a whole tournament make sure you're ready refresh every round by heading to walmart to pick up coca-cola coke zero sugar and powerade well one player came to mind for me immediately and that's rudy gobert there you go top 10 defense <laughs> not, not not yeah I mean, well david Locke, who we had on yesterday would certainly say that it doesn't matter i mean i don't know you'd say it quite that to that level but uh well but if you if you add in i, I believe serge Ibaka never made an all-star team so he you'd be if you have those two guys together and you could even add in gobert's utah partner Derek favors as a backup five i mean that, that you, you those guys that's a pretty decent core mike conley you know if we're assuming health sure that's that's a big challenge with him conley hasn't made it and then the other big group of players and yes we talk a lot about how young guys aren't necessarily good is there are players who are, are talented but just haven't really made it some of these guys got knocked off the off this list recent this year but still there are you know young guys who i think you could get to contribute that would probably you know like the kind of the jason tatum jalen browns of the world to fill out your wing rotation to make it that since gobert is still eligible since guys like conley are still eligible to make it work i mean what is the raptors net rating this year without kyle lowry and demar Derozan on the floor uh, clean the glass just uh, had a piece about this actually it was uh their new contributor 
just make that your second well, unit. Well, yeah, you could you could do that, you know, and then you know if you want to just throw in Mike Conley at point guard, you know, uh, you could put in like a Danny Green or something like that too. I mean, there's plenty of three and D type of wins. Robert Covington, Ben Simmons could could play some point guard for you. Uh, CJ McCollum has never made an All Star team, right? Yes, that is correct. He is not. So I mean, there. You found it before I did. What'd you say? You found it before I did. I oh no, I mean, I, I just thought about it. No, uh, but yeah, okay. I, I'm I'm right, aren't I? I believe so. I didn't get all the way into looking it up. Yeah, so there there are definitely, and especially when you consider how many guys are out there that you could get that could be good fits, like a Stephen Adams could be your backup center. Um, you know, you've got you could put get a stretch four like a Nikola Miritich or something like that. Uh, you could get Josh Richardson to play some some shooting guard for you, and there's just all kinds of guys. Uh, Eric Bledsoe has never made an All Star team. Chris Middleton has never made an All Star team. I, I I think it would be incredibly easy to do. Yeah, because you you're establishing just such a wide universe of players and you would be incredibly deep Nikola now if you Jokic wanted to connect with other things like salary team. you have, have Gobert and Jokic as your center rotation and Adams if you needed more depth and versatility yeah well, he said eight to nine man rotation so I would probably just go with those two. Oh um, yeah yeah you, you got you got a lot of directions that, that you could go in for sure uh you and, and I mean I think the biggest thing is that your team maybe you could say your one weakness would be like creation off the drill all right you could throw in Lou Williams now you know and we'll just play defense around Lou Williams you know and, and get some three and D guys around him there's as I said uh I think it would be exceedingly easy um to do it and yeah I, I don't, I'm not gonna come up with one exact team uh but I think the, these examples that I've given I think are are uh pretty good there I mean there's enough three and D guys on the wing I mean the one thing you'd be missing is just like an awesome wing scorer probably but I mean you could throw it in you could get enough young guys who could score but have some limitations and then get enough defense around them that i think you could still be top 10 in both you could you could even maybe you could even get devin booker uh and just say hey devin go out there and score and we'll just defend around you you know there's a a lot of options for sure i think as a point of reference just because i i feel like we don't talk about this enough there are currently four teams that are top 10 in both offense and defense the rockets are one in offense eight in defense the warriors are two and six the raptors are three and five so that's all three of the top offenses are top 10 defenses and then the oklahoma city thunder they are eight and ten this is per quitting the glass so filters that garbage time yeah now if you want to start talking about top five in either i mean because i think you would be you would struggle you could definitely make a top five defense out of players who never made an all-star team oh yeah but then you know would you be able to also be top 10 offense like once you start getting into top five in either then i think it kind of becomes difficult uh but that was a great question from i would agree with that I, I, I like that one i enjoyed it a lot well this is one we talked about a little bit on the twitter nba show and i'll let you answer it first because i answered it then from francis mock uh they think paul george can fit in well with most teams with cap space this offseason i would agree with that but their question was what team do you think would be the best fit for paul george so i guess that's not what you think he would pick what do you think he should pick which is who do you think is the best fit well does that mean if i were paul george where would i go or is it which team could he help the most that would be a realistic suitor how are you taking that probably the former is more interesting right yeah i think the former is more interesting i mean you they, they're independent things you can talk about we could talk about both well and, and we also have to say who are the teams that actually have the space to sign him sure. or you know realistically could send back something in a side trade that would interest a okc so uh, once again we do this often but uh, and if you are a patreon subscriber you would see that i tweeted out our, our caps race projections for the summer that include cap holds uh, and likely scenarios uh atlanta which may not even have enough room anyway chicago no dallas is slightly intriguing but you know hard 
hard to see them getting below kind of lower tier status in the west so that leaves really three teams although there might be a fourth that, that could be interesting too uh philadelphia of course has been mentioned uh I, I agree he would provide exactly what they need uh even even more so and then you know then you really you wouldn't even really need markel fultz develop fultz could just kind of be a scorer off the bench for you you could have simmons at the one just play this enormous lineup uh although actually no you probably would still need a point guard because you'd be losing reddick maybe they could get reddick to come back uh for the yeah. room exception or um, something the room exception seems a little low but uh, you know i'm not sure how else they could get the space uh there they, they would have to move they don't really have much in the way of superfluous salary on this team now that it Embiid's extension has kicked in um that would be an interesting one by the way of like how we would evaluate their decision to extend it Joel Embiid uh we should go back uh, Sixers beat actually the, the which is a really good Sixers podcast that Derek Bodner is on uh did, did a nice job reviewing that but I think we might have slightly different opinions than they would but anyway so yeah I mean that that would be I mean if you think that Simmons and Embiid you know are, you're well positioned to, to compete there you're in the east um you still would would need some kind of a solution at point guard probably um and then you would have Simmons and George at Forge Robert Covington at the two I mean the the, the level of defense on that team I mean that that would be I mean they're already what like number three number four in defense and that that would just be completely ridiculous uh and then hopefully Fultz uh, would come through they would have not quite as much shooting in the starting lineup with George rather than Redick and you would wonder a little bit about you know how much could George really have the ball in his hands he would have to focus more on the three and D although you know I I, I think that with that massive injury in his history and in fact he seems to be slowing down a little bit offensively this year you know he's not really have having a ton of quickness to get by guys off the dribble just turning him into just more of an off-ball score you know maybe he comes off some screens and shoots uh, maybe he spaces out uh, more of the time that probably would be over the life of a four-year contract where he would end up as a player so uh, i do like that one a lot uh who else sticks out to you here well we have to mention the lakers yeah. i mean they have a they have a ton of flexibility they could add him and somebody else which is important and he would certainly make them better i still worry about his fit i mean we have all the all these guys in the lakers who their biggest question mark is shooting and yeah. how that well, all fits in push, is, is a concern but they are four, which i think would be important I, I think ingram really should be a, a yeah four. they could run some crazy defensive yeah. lineups out there too like you think about the way they like, could switch on the wings and everything like that but there are two other teams well, well, that one, i want to mention just the lakers as, too. As, I mean, if lebron doesn't go there sure. i mean what else are they doing with that 30 million presumably uh, the extra 30 million in space presumably they try and just roll it over to next year but uh, you know who do a kcp style yeah, contract I mean, who knows who, who's gonna come next year and then uh i think you know it would still i mean they could have a really nice defense they would need something at center still uh you know what would happen with julius randall if they bring him back they would eat up some of the 2019 space as well uh, but if lebron doesn't come i'm not sure what their path is especially given george's timeline with lonzo ball brandon ingram by the time they're good george is in the decline and so you're not really i think reaching that upper echelon and unless both of those guys really like become big superstars which i i, I don't necessarily foresee uh i think they'll be solid but i don't think they'll be superstar level of players um so I would say not the Lakers. Yeah. There are three, there are three yeah. others that we need to mention quickly. Oklahoma City, we kind of know what that is. That's what their team is right now. Carmelo, we assume, yeah. is going to opt in with his early termination option. So yeah. expect them to be a pretty similar team next year. And then I could see them being worse after that unless they get some real development from Terrence Ferguson, who I like, and he's going to need to get a lot better. But then two teams, this is a, as obviously as a basketball fit, not all of the other yes. stuff. But Paul, Paul George on the Jazz would be fascinating because defense, of potential with that team they could clear a little bit of space 
Vegas, move Rubia, whatever they needed to do. That combination of him, Mitchell, and Gobert would be awesome. And they could put together, yeah. you know, some shooting cobble. They would still have Joe Ingles on the team. That would yeah, be really and, interesting. And by the way, and the, then jazz, the one that obviously quickly, the jazz situation, uh, they could clear up to about 20 million in space by moving on from the non guarantees of Jarebko and Udo that also wouldn't include cap holds for favors and Exum. So those guys would probably be on the move. Uh, yeah. And then they, it would probably mean that they would have to find a way, uh, to move on from either Jay Crowder or Rubio to sign him. Um, but I think that, you know, and they would have to get to 30 million. So it really would have to be Rubio who's making 15 million next year that they have to find a way to move. But I'm guessing someone, if they wanted to give up a first round pick, they could do that. Um, I mean, they technically, and think oh, about oh, what that, and also, that's starting, that's starting. And, and also they've got Alec Burks for 11.5. So they could stretch him. They could give up a yeah. first round pick to dump him, uh, you know, or, or maybe try a young prospect or something like that. Uh, they, they could get there if they really, really wanted to. And PG really wanted to come. Uh, and then there's the other hilariously intriguing one as well. You mean the surprise team in the East that their biggest need is a small forward? <laughs> So do you know that I've I've had a name for this for years? I've on I've wanted this to happen for eons, and it's not going to in this circumstance. I've called it the Darren Williams because my favorite theory with Darren Williams was the idea that he would ex- like basically extorted the, the Nets to get all these guys when they traded for him, and then he would go back to Utah and play with all the guys they traded for him. I thought that would be just such a cool idea. It didn't happen, obviously, but if Paul George did that, I mean, he gets to play with Victor Oladipo, and Victor Oladipo is an All Star now. Yeah, and, and Miles Turner has looked pretty good re- recently. I mean, who knows what he thinks of Nate McMillan's coaching? Uh, they got DeMontis Sabonis uh, as well to play some pick and roll, set some screens for him. Um, and, and even if they brought him in, you know, you had to see whether Corey Joseph and uh, Thaddeus Young would opt in, and they could get, they could probably get there, um, especially if they stretch Al Jefferson. Uh, they could get pretty close to having the requisite amount of space if they just move on from Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, so they could probably hold on to Collison. They, and that's assuming that Joseph and Young opt in. I mean, that would be a pretty darn good good team. Uh, probably not as good as that Philly team, but uh, yeah, certainly intriguing to be sure. Uh, was there anyone else that, that came to mind for you? No, I think that's that's about it. I'm sure there are some opt in and trade options as well, but I just I don't that takes that's a lot of risk for Paul George considering his horrifying injury and everything like that. Yeah. And he's making below below market value on that contract anyway. Yeah, no, I mean he, he'd be costing himself ten million for this year and taking on a, a bunch of risk as well uh so what's your final pick then for me it's LeBron, if lebron goes to the lakers it's lakers otherwise it would be sixers for me it's philly either way really why is that i'm actually i'm gonna write on it because i think their future their their roster makes more sense with him and as they age i think he can fit into that role to the you know they, they'll be able to make it to make it work with him and also george if he wants to have the ball in his hands more often philly needs shot creation when ben simmons isn't on the floor in the worst way and they can make him a little bit happy, you know, play him a little bit with the bench. He could still start games and close games. They can make all of that. They can make all of that work, but it's the ceiling on that team is a championship. That That is straight up the ceiling of it. And with LeBron, I mean, he has aged at a ridiculous, you know, like the the the, the rate of change with him is, is so startlingly slow that is there, but the, that risk is there. And I don't think the Lakers adding those two guys are better than, and this might not be a fair threshold, but I don't think they're better than the Rockets or the Warriors. So at least, 
making it to the finals relatively quickly would be massive for them. And Philly has a way easier road and their guys are really young. And I would say more established at this point than the Lakers. I'm sure Lakers fans love to hear that, but Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have proven it more in the NBA than Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Julius Brandon. This just in. Uh, although if the Lakers wanted to trade one of Ball or Ingram once George and LeBron went there, then maybe they might, we might talk. I don't know what they could get for this. Yeah, guys. I've thought about writing that piece before and just melting a bunch of people, but I, I just haven't. I, I've, had, I've had the thought a few times like, oh yeah, you know what would make the most sense there if they traded Lonzo Ball? I mean, it probably would, frankly. I mean, because he's just, he, he wouldn't quite be ready, I don't think, to help. I mean, yeah, defensively, he, he could maybe. I mean, it would just be a question of whether the shooting came around. But I mean, but Lonzo, as a passer, I mean, if LeBron and Paul George are there, you know, Lonzo's not going to have the ball in his hands very much, you know, and so it's basically he's just going to stand on the side and, and make spot up shots and, and they could get someone else who could do that and defend and you know get a lot more value as well if they move down from Lonzo but yeah that would be uh they might also have trouble matching salaries there could be too. all right we spent a lot of time on this one let's do one more here before we depart uh, this is a good one for the for the public version of this from Tim Grace a common refrain from the tanking eight is that they're reducing minutes for established players on the roster in order to develop young players and assess their potential basically and this so the question was how do you weigh the context of surrounding talent and lineup construction in terms of evaluating players and i think the most important part of this that many fans lose sight of and this was actually something that i crystallized more for me in the response to my kj mcdaniel's jeremy grant piece on the athletic is this idea that teams have a lot of capacity and utilize this to evaluate players outside of the minutes they play in nba games and yes it certainly is is useful to see how chris dunn or jonathan isaac or any of these guys fair in these last 10 games certainly that's important but they have seen these players in practice they've scouted them on film and so focusing on just the on-court stuff is as a fan it makes sense because that's all that's all we can see generally speaking but there's so much more information that they have and so having a slightly less reliable sample just doesn't make that big a difference yeah i think kevin pelton has had some research that has shown that so-called developmental minutes in the nba he wasn't able to prove at least that that had any particular outcome on players development going forward i mean we we there are plenty of guys who haven't really played much in their first couple of years and then have been able to break out and there's plenty of guys who have played a ton right to start that uh have just never worked out um and certainly the argument can be made that god the, the sixers are gonna ruin all of those models with mk with and uh, uh, michael carter williams joel Embiid, and ben simmons <laughs> now certainly i think it's a problem if you just haven't played at all for a year i think that that's that's not great but you know maybe not maybe that's not even true uh but maybe maybe those guys are just such incredible talents and, and it's difficult to know the counterfactual of where they'd be if they had played the you know the combined three seasons that they missed uh and, and you know we've talked about this a couple of times now but the comments by devin booker about how things have been kind of gifted that the suns players are spoiled in terms of the minutes that they get but a lot of that could just be coaching as well uh i still certainly think that you can learn things one of those things that i think you could learn is some of the stuff that's more difficult to detect on film it's not necessarily just stats putting up numbers i think if you're just looking at hey is this guy just a, a pure scorer you know if he can score and score efficiently and create for his teammates that's the kind of thing that i think translates if you want to try to give guys more creation responsibility and if they can actually make some things happen in that responsibility you know i, I think that can be useful i think also just seeing whether guys can get out there and execute and get better at executing defensively just make fewer mistakes you know i think that's something that you can really look at during this period um and i think you can also make the argument that if there 
there are guys who you know certain guys are just if you only learn kind of because you have a gun to your head you know like i'm only gonna execute defensively because i have this incentive that i'm not gonna play if i don't execute defensively yeah that's not great you know maybe that's being gifted minutes like that isn't gonna help a player like that if it's the type of player where they really are trying to get better and they care about winning and they're really trying to use these minutes to understand the system better and execute instead of just put up stats i mean it really to me is is very much a case by case and an organization by organization basis here on which you can evaluate it but i definitely think there's a lot to be said steve clifford had some similar comments as well for the idea that it's not really as useful when you're not in like a real nba ecosystem on a real winning team and we, and we just talk we talk a lot about it you know even with guys like booker like okay this guy's putting up numbers even scoring somewhat efficiently on this team that has a really bad offense and you know how much of that is his fault uh he there's there is a step up from doing it on a bad team to doing it on a winning team contributing to winning basketball with other good players around you like that those things do not translate one-to-one although i think they do translate to a large degree now i want you in that context it'd be fun if you end up doing like a your thoughts on that memphis charlotte game because that will you know in certain ways this will put this into stark relief and it's steve clifford i'm gonna watch that game and never talk about it that, that's my plan um all right let's do one more here actually uh this one is not too bad i'm gonna take this one in a little bit different context uh this is from glenn simonson if going deep into the tax were no object for paul allen you could pick any potential free agent who would you offer a four-year contract to to fit with dame and cj's age curve dame age 28 just turned 28 i think cj and turned 27 he mentioned paul george but i think i'm sorry to over your question a little bit here glenn but i think it's more interesting to just talk about it in terms of who might be available for the full mid-level uh, on a four year since paul george the blazers don't have a lot to send back and assign and trade necessarily you know they would have to send back bad salary to okc they probably wouldn't be interested in so uh, obviously george would well be and also fit. yeah going into going into the tax going into the taxes is on it doesn't really matter if you can't if you don't have the flexibility to spend on that guy in the first place right and the sign and trade it would hard cap them and but uh, and they're looking at being pretty close to the tax. Now, let's say they they figure out a way to move on from Myers Leonard. Maybe they just stretch him. But we'll pretend that they found a way to use the full mid-level exception this offseason. Obviously, I think what they need is just more two-way play on the wings. Although they also keep in mind they're going to have to re-sign Shabazz Napier as well. And they're going to need a backup guard who's going to eat into that. So maybe if they are going to bring him back, you're also not including anything for Nurkic there. And it's going to be tough. So we might even have to be realistic, have to limit ourselves to the full taxpayer uh mid-level which is would basically be about you know 5.5 million to start a, a three-year contract but uh, among some guys who could help them pat Connison's also gonna be a, a free agent by the way uh who sticks out to you that could realistically come there yeah and, and you basically need to work on on unrestricted free agents because restricted guys at that sort of price they, the ones who were worth getting would probably be matched so hmm how about uh luke richard and bob mute yeah i like him bob mute a lot if, if you could get him for that if he wanted to come that would be prob that would be about as good as they can do how about wayne ellington to play the alan crab role i'd be different i i think that stats could use him well offensively that would be exciting but defensively i have some concerns about that i was actually thinking granted he's a dunked on favorite more so than a front office favorite but james ennis would be intriguing there. yeah i don't know about just basically I, I let him his market will be a little bit below the full tax pyramid level for three years uh for the 28 year old 
Sure. Yeah. I, 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 this is why I'm talking about how narrow the supply yeah. is. Like once we get past those first couple guys, there just isn't much. No, that's, uh, that's true. Uh, would Thaddeus Young opt out and take that no, money? Not. Not, not for that little. I mean, he, he, he's going to make almost 15 million. And... I was thinking more for, I was thinking more for the non-taxpayer. Yeah. Uh, and would, would they want to maybe get like a shooting big? What about like a uh, Brooke Lopez? Well, I mean, I think they're kind of seeing Zach Collins maybe in, in that. Sort right. Of but role. maybe if Collins isn't ready yet and Nurkic the, is just going to be too expensive. Yeah, maybe. Nerlens would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Although he, I think he's still going to be in try to establish value mode there also. You have to imagine that the Mavs would beat that offer. He, yeah. Maybe he just doesn't yeah. want to go back. He's not quite at this level, but I think Channing Frye could be someone who could help them a little bit or like, uh, like Anthony Tolliver, you know, th- those are just to get a little bit more shooting on the floor, especially in those bench units, I, I think it could be pretty useful, but yeah, there's not a lot of awesome options. I mean, when you're looking for a, a wing who can shoot and defend, you know, $5 million a year is probably not going to get you there. Uh, uh, an interesting one could be, uh, what about, what about our friend? Yeah. Are we going to say the same person? So. Travion Graham? Yeah, but he's restricted though. So that's why I, I stayed away from well, him. Well, but I think if they gave him that much, if they gave him that much money, I think Charlotte yeah. would be. Reluctant. But the other problem is just the opportunity cost of not knowing for, you know, up to right. five days if they do the like Washington bullshit, drag out the physical thing. Um, Garrett Temple, there's been some noise that he might opt out of the last year of his contract for $8 million. Um, Maybe he just doesn't want to be in Sacramento anymore. I don't think that would be a great financial decision for him. But, you know, if he were offered, uh, you know, two years, $10 million, maybe he would do that. Um, you know, and he's a, he's a guy who I think could get out there, shoot a little bit more than like Evan Turner and, and hopefully be pretty close to what Turner has been defensively. He doesn't quite have the strength of, of Turner. But yeah, not a lot of great options there for the Blazers. But um, all right, we uh, I think that'll, that'll do it for uh, what's kind of part one of this mailbag where we got lots of other awesome questions waiting for us for the rest of this over the weekend. They'll be available to our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Anything else you wanted to discuss before we depart? Well, I should plug my Real Jam Radio with Sirat Sohi will be out at some point, probably on Thursday or Friday. I'm in the process of editing it right now. What'd you you guys talk about? Various pieces. You and Sirat. We started with her piece on the Rockets. So she's talking about the Rockets and and the schemes and, and some of the interesting misconceptions around that team. We talked about the Raptors, unsurprisingly, because she's based in Toronto. And then kind of what we're looking forward to in the playoffs and all that. It's a, a fun conversation. I love having her on. And for The Athletic, I'm working on a series of pieces. Some have been submitted, some have not. So I have something on kind of the scope of the offseason, which I think is going to be interesting. And then I've been doing some digging, and this will probably be out at some point, learning a lot more about two-way contract because it was an admittedly a blind spot of mine. But because of the Quinn Cook stuff, I do work for the Athletic Bay Area. I'm learning more about that. And so I'm ironing out the details on it, but I'll have a piece on that probably up in the next two days. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back with the 15 and 60 Eastern Conference. A little different format, though. For that one, we're going to try and take stock of where all the young players uh, have been uh, on these Eastern Conference teams, uh, uh, give them kind of a report card uh, for the season. So uh, stay tuned for that uh, on Sunday night. Talk to you all then. If you're into sports, then it's your favorite time of the year. NCAA March Madness with so many games, you never know what's going to happen. could be a 16 beating a 1, 10 seed in the Final Four. But you got to be ready for whatever the next round brings. And you better make sure your fridge isn't empty by the half. Swing by Walmart before every round. Stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. Before the next one tips off, NCAA March Madness isn't just one game. It's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.